and welcome to this week's Doxit podcast coming to you on Sunday the 24th of January 2021, the first for the year. My name's Fiona Stewart. And I'm Philip Nitschke. And together we're the co-authors of the Peaceful Pill Handbook series. Now for our first 2021 podcast, we're looking at the most recent update to the Peaceful Pill Handbook, the January 2021 update, which is titled Premedication and Potentiation. Philip, how did we come to arrive at including a brand new chapter on these two issues? Well, the book has gone through a series of rewrites and evolution in its evolution over the many years it's been published, and we've decided, I've decided actually, that it was a necessary edition. You may recall that the last chapter edition we did was on the physiology of death and dying, and a necessary follow-up to that is this chapter on potentiation and pre-medication. I Hang on, that. so what's the physiology of dying? The chapter update we did, uh, I think it was about three months ago, was on the physiology of dying, an explanation about what, why does the human, the human die, what makes a death peaceful, what makes a death reliable. In other words, understanding how the human body works well enough to know what brings about a peaceful death. That chapter was quite successful. There's been quite a lot of feedback and follow-up from that chapter, but there was necessary addition, and that's this chapter we've just published today. Okay, so the two issues are pre-medication and potentiation, and I know, Philip, that you say there's an often an overlap between the two, but we're talking, in a nutshell, for the layperson, we're talking about things such as uh, drug shelf life. If someone has their drugs from a dubious source, for example, on the internet, or if relating to shelf life, somebody has had their drugs in the cupboard for a long time and then are now worried about purity issues. And so if it's in situations like this that pure, that pre-medication and potentiation come into their own or become necessary factors to consider. Look, let's, step, let's just step back a little bit. There, there are drugs which bring about a peaceful death and that's what this whole book is about. But there's a lot of Often there are additional drugs or complementary drugs or complementary strategies that are necessary to make sure that the whole process goes exactly as planned. Now it's useful to think a bit about where this chapter, this new chapter on premedication and potentiation, fits into the book. To date, we've written a book about drugs and substances which bring about a peaceful and reliable death. Now, Philip, you're adding a chapter about additional drugs and substances which somebody may find useful in certain circumstances. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, these drugs may not be absolutely necessary, but they often make quite a difference. And certainly they're important in making sure that you get a 100% effect, the result you want. That is a peaceful and reliable death. So the drugs in particular, although some of them are strategies rather than drugs, but they're designed to make sure that what you choose works well. So the first issue that we address in this chapter is pre-medication. What are we actually talking about? You're one of the obvious drugs which we'd call a pre-medicating drug would be an anti-vomiting drug. If you're going to take a drug to end life you, by mouth, you don't want to vomit the drug up. And that's important. In fact, there's been a chapter on this ever since we wrote the book. It was considered to be so important. But that is technically a pre-medicating drug. Antiemetics are pre-medicating drugs. I mean, because that would be one of the most asked about issues the fear, people's fear of vomiting. And you say sometimes people make themselves sick, worrying about being sick. Yeah, that's one reason why it does. It is a very important topic. It attracts its own chapter later in the book. But the drugs themselves that make sure that a person doesn't get into such a state of worry and panic, the so-called anti-emetics, are discussed in more detail 
inner chapter which gives an overview to the additional drugs that one needs if you were to go down this path of ending your life. Antiemetics are one good example, but there are plenty of other pre-medicating drugs which calm you down and make sure that the whole process, which will be anxiety-inducing, works well. So by pre-medication, you're talking about drugs which you would take in advance of the main lethal substance or drug. Yes, pre, beforehand. Whenever a person goes off to have surgery, pre-medication is often given to a person to calm them down. And it makes a lot of sense in this context too. A drug that calms you down, not uh, damages your way you think or confuses you or any other thing. You've got to know what you're doing, but makes the whole process easier. So pre-medication are drugs that and we call them anxiolytics, ones that take away some of the anxiety, as the one I've mentioned, the ones that stop you vomiting. There are several pre-medicating drugs, and that's one class we talk about in this chapter. I mean, the three objectives, I think, that we just, the main objectives we discuss in the new chapter on pre-medication is to alleviate anxiety, sedation and vomiting. Yeah. When, just Could you say a few words about sedation? Because you just said that you still need to have your wits about you. You need to know what you're doing. So where, where does the balance lie in well, sedation? The balance, yeah, the balance lie, it's an important balance to take because you're running this show yourself. It's all very well when you go off to have surgery in a hospital and someone gives you a drug to calm you down. It wouldn't matter much whether you were confused or not because you're not the one doing the surgery. But here, in a sense, you are running the show. So if you're going to calm down your anxiety, it's important to do it in a clever enough way that you don't in any way limit your ability to take the right steps. So some form of sedative, some form of anxiolytic, as we call it, which makes the whole press a little easier, can be considered, but you need to be careful. And that's what we describe here. I mean, the commonest one that people use is alcohol because it stops people being so anxious. Now, clearly, if you take too much alcohol, you'll destroy the whole process. But we talk about alcohol as an example of a pre-medicating drug. Now, are you saying in this new chapter on pre-medication that it's absolutely essential to pre-medicate or are you saying it's sort of the icing on the cake if you want it? I mean, how will you know whether this is for you? Yeah, well, by these these pre-medicating and potentiating drugs, none of them are essential. The lethal drugs are essential in the following chapters of the book, but these are additional drugs which make the whole process easier and more efficient and more effective. So they're not essential. Sometimes they are worth considering, and sometimes uh, you need to do some experimenting to make sure that you're not going to make a mistake of pre-medicating drugs. You've got the opportunity to do that because these are not lethal drugs. They're drugs that make the process of taking a lethal drug easier. So the second uh, main topic of the new chapter is potentiation. And you say there's some overlap between potentiation and pre-medication. So what, what are we talking about? What does potentiation mean? Potentiation is... is probably the most important aspect of this chapter. It uh, deals with situations where you want to make sure that the lethal drug that you take is going to work. And you say, well, if it's a lethal drug, it'll work. Well, it will work if you've got the right drug in the right amount. But sometimes these drugs are hard to get. Some of them are, they're questions about their legality. You may have had them for a long time. You're not too sure if they're exactly what they were supposed to be. You may have bought them illegally. So try to make sure that the drug you've got, which you think is going to be lethal, is definitely legal, can often be achieved by taking a potential... Lethal, not legal. ...can often be achieved by taking a potentiating drug. It's a drug that makes a particular lethal drug more effective. So in terms of who would be interested or have a benefit from thinking about 
how to potentiate the drugs they have. For example, if I had a lot of drugs which I'd stockpiled in the cupboard and I'd had them there for a long time. Yeah, that's a good example. And the other good example that comes up all the time is people have bought Nembutel illegally because it's an illegal drug, had it for many years and then they drag it out of the cupboard and it might say on the label that it's the right amount because it's very much past its use by date. So there's a fear that it may not be as effective, it may not quite be lethal and a way of ensuring that it is lethal is the drug which you'd call the potentiator. But how do you actually know what's what's too old for an old drug? Well, that's a difficult question too. Most drugs have got a use-by date on them, and some people say, well, for every year over its use-by date, you should add an extra 10% to compensate for the deterioration of the drug. That's a very rough guide. But anything that's been kept for a long time may have deteriorated. You can, and we strongly advise this with a drug like Nemutel, go off and have it tested to make sure you know exactly what it is when you take it. But if you haven't got that opportunity and you want to make sure that the drug Nembutel is more effective, you can add a potentiating drug to the Nembutel. So we go through a list of different types of potentiating drugs because many work with several drugs. They're not just a potentiator for Nembutel, they're a potentiator for many other lethal drugs too. And we go through them we go through them drug by drug and talk about their role and whether or not they may be useful and whether or not they may suit you. So we talk about in the new chapter, there's four main aims of potentiation. That is to enhance efficacy, enhance lethality, uh, sedation, again, which was also part of pre-medication, and the cardiac switch effect. Let's take the first two, enhancing efficacy and lethality. Yeah, well, obviously, this is a situation I've just mentioned where you've got a drug which you're not too sure is going to be a lethal amount and you want to make sure that it becomes effectively more powerful by taking a potentiating drug. So if we take chloral hydrate, perhaps, as an example, what, how could that substance be made more efficacious and more lethal? Yeah, we have a chapter on chloral hydrate in the handbook, and it also comes up again as part of one of the earlier drugs in the mixtures that were developed in North America to replace Nembutel. But there is questions about taking a single drug like chloral hydrate, making sure that it is effectively lethal. And there are ways to make that very sedating drug, that's what chloral hydrate is, a very sedating drug, effective. And what we would suggest there, we'd make use of something like a cardiac switch. Two drugs that you add in, which give the chloral hydrate and make sure that the chloral hydrate is lethal because the cardiac switch activates uh, sometime after you've taken the drugs. Okay, well, maybe we'd better talk a bit more about cardiac switch effect. Yeah, is ca- that linked to sedation? Would you take those two together or would many, one just, leads to the I'll other? I'll split this out a bit. Yeah. Because many drugs are lethal because they are so strongly sedating that you slows down your breathing and you don't get enough oxygen to your brain. And this is one of the discussion methods about happy hypoxia in the earlier chapter we mentioned. They, they're very sedating drugs. They effectively put you to sleep and you die in your sleep. And that the archetypal one is Nembutel, exactly what it does. It's very, very sedating. Chlorohydrate is very sedating too, but not quite as sedating as Nembutel. So sometimes you may not be sedated enough to have less oxygen or too little oxygen going to your brain. In those situations, potentiation may be done by the addition of something which actually stops your heart sometime down the path while you're deeply unconscious, very, very safely asleep. Because you never want to have your heart stopped no. while you're awake. You don't want no, to know about it. You wouldn't take uh, cardiac switch drugs without any strong sedative because just stopping your heart is not a peaceful death. But if you're Is that deep- a heart attack? Yeah, effectively. So if you, But if you're deeply unconscious, you've lost consciousness, deeply asleep, we could say, and then these drugs, the so-called cardiac switch drugs, activate, you die, of course. 
but you don't have that unpleasant experience of simply having a heart attack. So you would potentiate or can potentiate, that is make sure it certainly works, chloral hydrate by adding the cardiac switch drugs. And we have a section on that in this chapter. What are the cardiac switch drugs? Now, that's not your term, is it? That's come about from the work of Lonnie Shavelson and his colleagues in California. I think so. Uh, the, the mixture drugs really drew attention to this idea. They were searching around for some replacement by mixing drugs together to replace Nembutal. Now, Lonnie is part of a team of doctors who work under the medical aid in dying legislation in California mm-hmm. who were looking for a cheaper more accessible replacement to Nembutel, which the drug companies had priced out of the market for the ordinary man and woman yes, wanting even to have it was a supervised legal, death. It was yeah. legal with the new legislation in states like Oregon, California and Washington to have Nembutel. People couldn't afford it because of the way it had, had its price hiked. That's also the same for Canada too, isn't it? Yes. So what what uh, doctors like Lonnie did was to look very... And, some, and the close cooperation of pharmacologists uh, that work along with him, have worked out ways you can duplicate the action of Nembutal by mixing drugs together. And they broke it down into two sessions, uh, two sections. There was something that would strongly sedate you and then something that would would stop your heart. And a part of the mixture that stopped your heart was known as the cardiac switch. Now, the drugs that do that in the mixture are the ones that we're suggesting in this chapter are an effective cardiac switch potentiator of a drug like chloral hydrate, and that is two drugs, amitriptyline along with digoxin. And we talk about that in this chapter. Now, one suggestion you make in this new chapter is that you suggest that people experiment with some of these potentiators and pre-medication agents before going down that path. Is that to see if someone's got any allergies? It's certainly one of the issues that can be significant. We mentioned it rather in a rather peripheral way when we started to talk in the earlier editions of the book on the anti-emetics, the anti-vomiting drugs. Some people react very badly to certain anti-emetics, anti-vomiting drugs, and it would be a damn good thing to know that before you took them so that you didn't throw up your lethal drug. And so what we've suggested made a rather more of a point of it in this chapter is that the antiemetics, which are part of the pre-medication for any oral lethal drug, is that you actually try these antiemetics by themselves, not with a lethal drug, just try the antiemetic. If you've got metoclopramide, which is the best, try it. Some people, very, very few, but some do react badly to metoclopramide. You can get an unexpected reaction, and there is the issue of allergy that you just mentioned. Both are possible. Just check it out. Take a couple, take three Maxillon and see what happens. Nothing much should happen. You should, of course, not vomit, but nothing else much should happen. And you can just check that out by trial and error. The same with the other potentiators that we talk about in this chapter. The only one I don't suggest that you actually trial is the cardiac switch drugs. You're not a trial a cardiac switch and have a heart attack. Uh, the cardiac switch drugs, I can assure you, that is amitriptyline and digoxin in the way we've suggested in this chapter, mixed together and taken in the way suggested, will indeed work. It'll end your life, but you don't want to give that a test. That's a way of adding to the sedating drug, the sedating lethal drugs. Well, apart from the cardiac switch drugs, I mean, the other ones that we're talking about in this context of pre-medication and potentiation are things like alcohol, cannabis, the opiates, barbiturates, benzos. Yeah, and then the category of others, such as B blockers. So, I mean, easy to experiment with alcohol, I guess. It's easy to experiment with pretty well all of them. Uh, well, obviously, some of them are a little harder to get. 
And we've mentioned some of them. We can go through them, if you like, about how you can experiment with them. I mean, really, it's a matter of making sure that you that they do what they're supposed to do and that they're sedative drugs. You know what Yeah, well, I guess that's what I'd like to explore. I mean, so alcohol has a role as a sedative, mm. but you've also often said that if you take alcohol immediately after Nimbutel, then that actually helps the Nimbutel to work faster. Yes, it has a dual effect. It certainly acts as a sedative and calms you down. It's kind of the folklore about Nimbutel, isn't it? It is. Uh, the other advantage of it there is that it takes away the bitter taste if you take it as a uh, liqueur or something like that after you've taken your Nimbuto, which has a very, very bitter taste. It takes but away that aftertaste. that's kind of an aesthetic thing. It's aesthetic, but it's also, <laughs> if you're dying and you've got people with you and it is your last drink and you want to be able to talk to people before you fall asleep, which you will a few minutes after taking your Nimbuto, you don't want to be sitting there coughing and spluttering because of the bitter taste of the Nimbuto. So that has that effect, but it has another effect too. As a as an as a potentiator, specifically in that the alcohol in your stomach accentuates, facilitates the absorption of the nimbutel in the gut. So it, it serves a number of functions. The only thing we do say in this section on alcohol is be careful. I mean, obviously, if you're a person who's very sensitive to alcohol, you don't want to be taking alcohol to such a degree that you. You, you lose the ability to know exactly what you're doing. I know, because I remember when um, Laura Henkel from the new documentary film Laura's Choice, when she was at Pegasus last December, and she she never touches alcohol, hasn't for the last, like, she was 91, so the last, you know, 70, 80 years. Then she decided that she would have a little tipple before the intravenous strip started going into into her veins. And she had to be very careful that she didn't have too much to, to lose capacity because she was on videotape. For the Swiss authorities. Well, it wouldn't really. Yes. Well, I mean, I don't. Not only that she was on a videotape, she had to be able to start the injection. So, you, if you take too much alcohol, so you can't do simple things like that, or you lose the ability to know what you're doing. So, just be careful. You know your limit with alcohol. Use it in the way that it serves a very useful function. So that's one example. We mentioned uh, several others there, yeah, which you can, may have had less experience with, though. Yeah, like cannabis, for example. What What are the beneficial aspects of taking? Cannabis, and in, in what form are we talking about? Well, cannabis serves two useful functions. As a pre-medicator, it's a very effective anti-vomiting, anti-emetic. It's mentioned in some more detail in the chapter on vomiting, but this is a very effective anti-vomiting drug. Cannabis, which unless you, which which you can take by by smoking, that's that's the that's the preferred way of taking cannabis. You well, can so just, eat it, but just of smoking a joint, sort of thing. Yes, or, yes, exactly. Which and here in Amsterdam that. is an easy thing. You just go down to the well, corner shop. You've obviously I mean, got to, yeah, you've got but... to obtain it, so you can smoke it, and you can smoke it in several different ways. There are different means of sort of making it into a inhalable product, and you perhaps should be experiment with that. Make sure you've got some experience and you know what it actually does and how you are affected by it. But it serves that function of stopping you vomiting, and it certainly calms you down. So it's a even very if you take drug. it, for example, like in muffin form or as a well, cookie the, or a cake. No, that's not preferred. That's not recommended because it's. The absorption by gut certainly works, and people make hash cookies and all. You've probably read about that, and you can certainly mess around and try it, and they certainly work. But the absorption of the cannabis when taken orally in that form is erratic. It varies from person to person, and it varies from in your situation depending on what's also been in your stomach. So you might find that the absorption and the effect of the cannabis when you take it by mouth varies a lot, unpredictably perhaps. So take it in the way that it works very quickly. That's the other advantage of inhaling a drug like cannabis. It works very quickly and you'll have that effect straight away. And I've also mentioned there inhalation of a drug like opium or heroin. Uh, these are also very useful sedatives 
and uh, anti and anxiolytics that is anti-anxiety drugs again if you've had no experiment and no experience with smoking heroin uh, i wouldn't suggest you you launch out having your first experience just before you take your lethal drug or i can see a disaster occurring but have, realistically i mean the readership of our book are more likely to have access to something like ms content they you know, are, than be smoking they, heroin look, well that's right and is ms content con is MS content useful in this context in, in terms of pre-medication the opiates are Yes, the opiates are useful in that sense, uh, and that comes up a little bit. MS content, not particularly. I mean, that's morphine, but it's, it's slow-release morphine. If, you've got more, if you take morphine in by tablet form to act as, an, as a potentiator, it certainly works, but make sure you're taking morphine, not MS content. MS content is morphine slow-release. You don't want slow-release morphine. You want fast-release morphine if you're to be using it as a potentiator. That comes in several forms, but it's often harder to get. Ordine syrup as a, as a syrup form of, uh, of morphine. And it's something which you've found you absolutely cannot buy on the internet. Very hard. Because some, some of these things you can buy quite uh, when I say absolutely can't, it's obvious these drugs, morphine, a heroin and uh, an opium, these are strongly controlled drugs of addiction. They're not available through any of the regular open internet channels. You can obtain these drugs on the dark web, but that's difficult. Unless you've got some experience, you're going to have to get some to get these drugs. Again, these are drugs that you don't absolutely need, so you've got plenty of time. You can actually see whether you can get them. If you can't get them, forget about it and look at something you can get. Yeah, and something maybe that's less less illegal and more on prescription, and which has a use for off script. Uh, yes, I think we've got a couple of others mentioned there. We've, well, we've got we've got benzos as a category benzos of potentiators and premedicators. That's perhaps the most useful of all of the drugs, the benzodiazepines and. Many of, many of the people listening to this will know that the first of those, that is diazepam or Valium, was the drug that came along in the late 50s and effectively put an end to Nembutal being used as a sleeping tablet because benzos are very, very non-lethal drugs but very effective anxiolytics. They get rid of your anxiety. They're prescription-controlled drugs, and there's a lot of them around out there. If you look at other chapters in the book, for example, the chapter on deloxane or dextropropoxifene, it's it's always taken with a benzodiazepine drug. And the reason for that is... We're talking Serapax there, isn't it? Yeah, Serapax. That's oxazepam, Serapax. Very, very effective benzodiazepine drug, which is taken to put you to sleep before the lethal drug, that is the uh, deloxine, stops your heart. The same is also true if you take a drug like chloroquine, the anti-malarial. That stops your heart too, very effectively. You'll die taking chloroquine. I mean, it might solve your, it might cure your COVID, but you'll also pretty well die straight away if you take an overdose of chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. And you don't want to die with a heart attack, so you take a sedative pre-medication that taken to make sure that you're really asleep before the effect, the cardiac effect of the drug like uh, chloroquine or uh, deloxine takes effect and the benzos to suggest we've mentioned valium that's very slow and it's a little too slow for best use serapax oxazepam mogadon these are common sleeping tablets they work quite effectively they're all prescription controlled and they're not that easy to buy on the internet on the open pharmacies interestingly many drugs you can get on open pharmacies but you can't easily get the benzos what you can get though and we talk about this in this chapter and it's one of the things which i want to draw some attention to because it's becoming more used by people in this context is one of the off-license 
benzos. And the one we talk about there is diclazepam. It's a, it's a clone of diazepam. It's more effective than diazepam and it's not actually restricted. You can lawfully buy it. We give details of that in the chapter. You can buy a gram of that, mix it, mix it with something like propylene glycol, which you can buy on the internet too, and a bit of alcohol and you've got yourself a very effective pre-medication before uh, to be used with a number of the uh, drugs that we talk about later in the book. Yeah, just to conclude, I mean, we're not in this new chapter on potentiation and premedication. We're not just talking about substances. We're also talking about certain actions that you can do to potentiate for a method. One of the methods described in the book, for example, hyperventilating. Yes, I was, I was trying to broaden it out. It's not all about drugs. Sometimes you can make things more effective by certain actions and behaviours. For example, fasting. That's an example of a behaviour rather than any specific drug that you take. And some drugs work more effectively if you take that particular action. That is, don't eat for 24 hours before you take your lethal medication. So that's an example of a potentiating action rather than a potentiating drug. One you just mentioned there is hyperventilation, which comes up particularly with people that are planning to use the exit bag. And the exit bag is a situation where you immerse yourself suddenly in an inert gas like nitrogen. What is what is found, and we explain why, is that if you hyperventilate for a few, for a minute or so, that's deep breathing in and out, getting all the air in, all the air out of your lungs. Before you suddenly immerse yourself in the inert nitrogen, the effect of the nitrogen will be so much quicker. And we explain why that's the case. So that's an action you take. You don't need any special drug or anything. You just need to know about it and to be aware of that as a, as a process which will make the whole end of your own life using a gas like nitrogen a little quicker and perhaps a little bit easier. You. Now we conclude the chapter with a new table which looks at the method that you choose and then the substances or the drugs that can be used as either pre-medication or potentiation. And I thought that's a really clear way for the lay person to get a handle on, on what we're actually talking about here. Oh yeah, exactly. It's a neat summary table. You can go straight to that table. It's on page 99 of the new handbook edition. That's the 20th of January 2021 edition of the book and you'll see the table there and you can just look up the method that you may be thinking or considering and you'll see what potentiating drugs methods or agents are suggested either as pre-medicators or potentiators and decide whether or not they might be necessary. Okay, well, that's it for this week, folks. I'd just like to send a cheerio to my mum, Pam, who's had a fall and broken her leg, her femur, I think it is, and is currently in hospital. So, Pam, if you're listening to this at home in Melbourne, we're thinking of you. But next week, not next week, probably another two or three weeks, we've got new updates to the books, the book coming. We've got a backlog, actually, of updates, I should say. So do stay tuned and join us again. Bye for now, folks. Bye.